Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech and Black Hollywood Live. Today we have a new president. Uh, Oscar nominations are out and Super Bowl has been decided. Let's go. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live's Geek Nerd Tech. Own boss, own oh. Masters, slaves, the mentality. I can't about be this one. This very day. Fuck rich, let's get wealthy. Who else gonna feed we? If uh, I need it, I'm gonna get it. Wait, However, God this is uh, what album is this? This is uh, American Gangster. Oh, that's why uh, I don't need no hook. No hook. Yeah. American Gangster. Welcome to Black Geek Nerd Tech and Black Hollywood Live. Uh, I'm Joe Braswell. Join us always by my man Akili Shine. Uh, how you doing? I'm good, man. That's yes, a sir. good music choice. That's kind of like kind of in the crates. That's not in the crates. That's one of his. That's one of my favorites. But I say that's one of the best songs on that album for sure. Well, when I say in the crates, I don't mean like it's, it's like a B side. Like no one knows about. It. I just mean like I haven't really thought about uh, American Gangster as an album in a minute. Yeah, that's like I used to love that album. Album's great. Uh, do you really think? I got a question for you on uh, American Dreaming. Like, how much producing did Puffy do on that record? I mean, actual, who, actual producing. I mean, who knows? I mean, unless you, unless there's video footage, who knows? Okay. I mean, I, I, like, I mean do you believe you like I, var- varying definitions of what a producer is this, these days? So, right. I mean, are you actually twisting knobs? You know, are you playing chords? Are you yeah. are you programming drums? Or are you just pointing and telling people what to do? Yeah. I mean, I wonder about that. I'm just, I'm or are you just, just slapping your name on it? <laughs> well, I mean, I think about like in terms of Rick Rubin, who obviously used to pro- in terms of hip hop and what he produces, used to actually program and do drum beats and was, mm-hmm. was earlier in that. But now as a producer, he's very famously a guy who just kind of sits on the couch, listens to what you did, mm-hmm. and then makes a bunch of notes. Is like put the drums here, this, that, that, which is still great, and puts in the studio and does it. He's not twisting knobs. Or yeah. Are, are like you producing guy. or conducting? It's a yeah. difference. So I mean, I'm not mad at Rick Rubin, but like when for hip hop. If if you're Diddy and you're like like strings there, I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I digress. I, I mean, I, I feel I feel that is a form of of producing, but I prefer the more hands on. I, I prefer to like the artists that are more hands on that can actually execute, you know, and give direction. Like who are playing riffs, yeah. doing stuff, playing keys, playing stuff like 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 you know, like all the ones we like. Dre, you got to be able to to have the tangible, hands-on approach and be able to direct, you know, with with the with your voicings. So, I mean, I think Diddy has has exemplified both of that. But whatever. Great. Uh, So, welcome to Get Our Tech. We have a few things we're going to touch on. A couple things we're really going to hit on the Oscar nominations, which happened, and the the social ramifications of these Oscar nominations. Uh, Jeff Graham. Howdy! <laughs> My favorite geeks and nerds and tech. Look at that. <laughs> Special appearance by TV's Jeff Graham. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get into that, and we'll also talk a little bit about the Super Bowl uh, hype. We'll get more into it next week, but as we as, as that. And a little bit about, I mean, you know, uh, President Trump. And his, I'm not for President Trump. What I mean, we'll, 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 maybe we'll gla- glance over those. But uh, so Oscar nominations came out yesterday morning. Uh, uh, how do you feel about the nominations overall? I mean, like, how do you feel? Did you, did you get a chance to see? Mm-hmm. And what, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, I, I think that this year we were... Representation of yeah, black Yeah, this year we're wise. more represented. I mean, in terms of best film, best picture, there's the three three of the slots are black films, mm-hmm. Fences, uh, Hidden Figures, and Moonlight. So mm-hmm. I, I think in terms of... And all of those films are very diverse in nature um, and show, uh, show, yeah, show a varying degree of black culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that, that it's not monolithic. It shows, you know, that we have... Uh, 
yeah, we have uh, the ability to tell multiple different type of stories and have different type of emotions, you know, taken from each of those films. So I love the fact that people enjoyed those films. Mm -hmm. And I mean, because it completely shatters the argument that, you know, black films can't, you know, bring in revenue at the box office. Hidden figures. Precisely. And also, um, yeah, that it, I think I think the the, the the slate of representation is, is good for the industry mm -hmm. and also good for the audience. So I'm happy to see that, you know, Denzel's represented. Yep. Um, I'm happy to see Taraji. I'm mad that she didn't get uh, Best Actress nomination. Yeah, I think she deserved that for sure. Yeah, but, that's um, a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Octavia I, got it, though. Right, right. I, I do think that, you know, the politics of, of the industry will allow itself to, you know, honor La La Land, to be honest. I think that's going to be the one that's going to sweep it. So we'll see. What do you think? Uh, I'm, I, I've gone the other way on La La Land, just to start where we pick up where you left off. Um, the more I, the more space I have from La La Land, the less I liked it. I like it. I mean, I, I, I think it's a charming movie and everything else, but, you know, I don't know. Best original screenplay? I don't know. I mean, some of the stuff, some of the, some of the things feel like they're just, you know, um, I, I know that Hollywood likes to self-congratulate and likes the idea of a good old-fashioned musical and all that other stuff, but uh, and as an overall piece of work, I think it deserves to have maybe have a Best Picture nod, Emma, Emma, Emma Stone for sure, Best uh, uh, you know, best Actress. Uh, other stuff, like two original songs, I think the audition song is actually a really, really wonderful song. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the other, the City of Stars, oh, uh, over Pharrell's stuff, I mean, do they need two songs in the joint? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, that's the first thing. I am happy, uh, back to our, our, our representation in diversity, uh, uh, we didn't talk, we didn't talk about the documentary category, which is, yeah, which is Ava. very strong. Ava. I mean, you've got, you've got Eva, you've got, uh, you've got, uh, uh Ezra mm -hmm. for OJ Made America, somewhat controversial 10 hour, uh, television series, mm -hmm. uh, with, with two, with a couple of studio, with a couple of theatrical plays. Yep. What do you think of that, by the way? Is, is that like, is that like cheating a little bit? No, not at all. So when we have our, our our ten hour Star Trek joint, if Netflix wants to put it in the theaters or whoever, I don't think it's cheating. I think you know it's it's the distribution um, platform. It's just another distribution platform. Right. So you want to be able to get provide the content wherever people are. And, and but it doesn't them. matter. Like, what, but my point is like box office receipts on that. Like the idea, like we're gonna make this eligible for Oscar contention by put, by putting it in the but theaters. I don't for think a it's weekend. based. I don't think it's based on box office. No, no, receipts. it's not. No, it's not. It's just based on the fact that like it doesn't run in these cities for yeah. X amount of time. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's a good strategy. Like, it's a product. You want to okay. be able to market the product as, as well as possible. You want to okay. market it to the to the consumers who yeah. are going to watch it. And you want to market to the the people that are going to vote for it to win awards. So okay. I, I don't see that as a as a negative. Like elevating it from the Emmy category into the Oscar category nah. by, by throwing it in the theaters. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a, like saying it's a distributor's choice. That's like saying, well, why are you spending a hundred million on marketing when others only spend ten million? Like, why are you spending that much on marketing? That's fine. You know. So if, if so if 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 uh, whatever uh, you know. Uh, ABC wanted to put in back in the day the, the two hour MacGyver movie like the, the, <laughs> into the theaters hey for them. take that risk yeah okay, <laughs> I, I got you uh, uh, and there's one more so I'm drawing a blank on a giant blank on we have one more in the in the, uh, really? in the, in the documentary category I mean, I know we, I know we talked about Ava. No, no, this, the, Ava is OJ, Ava, and something else. Which I'm uh, then that, yeah, that's, so anyway, I'm not aware of that one. Uh, yeah, so. Um, Good showing, all along. Good showing, but one of the things we want to talk about here is, man, our boy Bezos. He was at his front and center at the Golden Globes, and now he might be front and center at the Oscars. Like he's got a, he's got a, you know, the first streaming network ever to have an Oscar nomination. We talk about him. No, Oscar nomination for best for picture. Best picture. Yeah, very good point. That's yes, really for best picture. Uh, we talk about, um, you know, uh, 
the ESPN move, right. but you know, good for Bezos, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think it's great that a, a streaming platform is getting the uh, the the the, the uh, accolades and the recognition that it's getting. I mean, I haven't seen that movie yet, so I can't really give a, a proper cr- a critique on that. But I think in terms of his strategy of releasing in movies and then saying that he'll have it for the platform, Manchester for all, by the Sea, right? Manchester by the Sea, having it for all all those that have Amazon Prime in February, I think that's a great strategy. Um, I know Amazon. I mean, Netflix did that first with um, with our boy. Um, I forgot the name of the movie with uh, Idris. Uh, uh, Beast of No Nation. Beast of No Nation. But I think it, I think it was simultaneous. You could watch it on Netflix. You could stream it on Netflix and watch it in the theater. And that what the result of that wasn't um, at, at, the payoff for that wasn't as great. So I, I think that Amazon kind of got this strategy good, like to acquire the film and then release it like a traditional release and then stream it. I think that's a great strategy for them to move forward with too. Yeah, to I mean to your point, like this is it. Like this is why you do this. This is why it's perfectly conceived and executed by Amazon. We're gonna fund this movie. We're gonna get it into the theaters. We're gonna get Oscar attention, and then we're gonna have it on our streaming service exclusively for a, for a time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any better than that. Congratulations to us. Yeah, I mean, think so, about it. If they win, that's going to help boost up their subscribers. I want to see... I want to I be an Amazon Prime member just because of that. Mission, you know? Again, mission accomplished. Right. Yeah, mission, mission accomplished. Uh, I Am Not Your Negro. The, uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah. That's what I'm thinking James Baldwin. The Baldwin yeah. joint. So, that's yeah, true. I mean, like, so, you know, OG Made America 13th, uh, I Am Not Your Negro. I mean, that's a, that's a strong... That's very strong, strong showing in the documentary category. I'm very happy with this. Uh, and, and in the female category, we've had this before. We have three African American women in the female category. Yeah. Uh, I should say not African American because Naomi is English, uh, but from Moonlight. But right. playing person an African American person, person of color for sure. Uh, I'm very happy to see uh, uh, Marshall Ali get it from Moonlight. Like that was a great. I mean, I, I, you know, that was a fantastic performance and a great role. Um, and, uh, you know, we got Ruth Nega for Loving, which is kind of a shocker. I mean, it's like, it's almost like they're looking at things like, we can get one black girl in here. Do we go for the the English girl or do we go for the for, the, for Taraji? They're not trying to get that Taraji get that, man. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to argue with these choices. Moving on. So, uh, Have you seen Loving? Oh, what are you talking about? The lady. The double lady. Um, <laughs> Uh, I have not, by the way, but I but I but I want to see it. Uh, the moving on. Uh, the other what was I gonna say about oh um, the virtual first virtual reality film to be nominated in this in this category. That's that's something. Do you think this is a trend? Um, I mean, this is that, that's, I, think it's, I think it's marketing. I oh. think I think it's marketing to open up you know other creators in the industry um, so that this could be another. Another uh, revenue stream. I mean, obviously, it's going to be another. It is already a, another revenue stream. But to be able to have it on a grand stage like this only further perpetuates, you know, that concept being executed, you know, more ubiquitously. So I think that is the reason why. Because I don't. I mean, come on. Have you heard of the film before this? Like, like they're creating. They're creating this stream um, for a reason. You know. What I'm yeah, I agree. But like, this is kind of my thing about as I was I was watching the nominations uh, yesterday. Uh, I didn't. I watched them after the fact, and I was watching them. I was thinking about. I think it was every year. Do we ever even know the, the the best live short, best animated short, best live short, best documentary short? Is that the way? That's not a category, but best live action short film is a category. Um, I, we never have never ever seen these plays. I never know where to watch them. I've never seen one. I never know where to see one in the entire. I mean, most of those, most of those properties have their own sites where you're able to watch it from the site. 
Okay. So if you if you're interested in those films in the category that got nominated, you could easily you could actually go to those sites and watch them. But from a film like again like not like like back to the Ezra Edelman uh, documentary, the OJ thing, where do you go? Where, I mean, doesn't that, don't they have to go in a theater somewhere? Like where do you go see these in the theater? Is it a film? Fe- I mean, like how? I'm sure it's the film festival circuit. Interesting. Yeah. Why aren't we making a, a, a live action short? <laughs> like that seems like a, a nice way in anyway. Uh, okay. I mean, I, it's a marketing point. I'll take it. Um, Oscar snuff kicks off debate on social media. I, you know, that's a story we would do. I'll kind of, you know, skip on that a little bit. But there are a lot of snubs since we're since we're here. Um, I mean, do you care? I mean, what, what, so we talked about Taraji. Do you, any of these snubs? Um, you know, uh, passengers. People are talking about. It's not a snub. You know, uh, <laughs> what about your boy Sully? Uh, Tom Hanks out. I mean, the Pharrell and Taraji to me are kind of snubby. Uh, Deadpool is that a snub? No. no. Right, that's not a snub. I mean, the, the fact that they were even having a conversation about him being in the conversation is good enough. I mean, the movie did well, but let's take it easy. Slow down. It's an Oscar movie. Uh, you know, I don't know. Anything else? No, nah, nothing else, man. Okay. Uh, I want to go on this Trump, this, this, uh, this Trump, this Trump story about the EPA uh, and and the and the USDA. I mean, um, and Trump. Um, so you know, he Trump's ordering these media blackouts. Yeah. You know. Uh, and the EPA and the and the and the, and the Department of Agriculture are the latest of these. Right. I mean, this, the raging war against the EPA, and I mean, like I'm anti-planet. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. We're wasting time on this. I, but anyway, but the idea. What do, what do you have to say about this? I mean, really quickly, I think that it just shows the the the, the Trump regime and how really it's operating on multiple levels and the layering of it and how just uh, dysfunctional and disastrous it is. The fact that you'll silence these federal agencies that are are more green in nature and promoting, you know, more uh, advocacy for um, uh, for people to be environmentally conscious. And, you know, Trump is saying blackout, no messaging. You know, I want to be able to control this messaging because obviously the messaging you've been the messaging you've been putting out goes against my policies and goes against you know the campaign that that I would like to bring to bring to fruition. So the fact that he is using his um, presidential executive power to be able to do that and silence their social media, I think I think says a lot. You know, um, but I think it's working it's working against them. I mean, there was a case I, I forgot what what a, a national park it was, but they actually you know one of the employees actually just said. F that and, and tweeted out a whole bunch of factual information about um, things that are happening with you know CO two emissions and just the yeah. environment in general. And I just love the fact that there was some type of um, a- activist stance against against him yeah. against that order. You know, and then he puts him in positions like, "Hey, I'm going to tweet a bunch of facts about what's happening to our environment, and then you're going to black them out." Like, it's like <laughs> it's just you know it's so fascistic. And you know, anyway, I, we, it's a, it's a, it's definitely some interesting times, uh, if not yeah. scary. Uh, speaking of which, uh, there's a company in Seattle um, that's starting a new. I mean, it's kind of I don't know how newsy this is, but I, but I'll give them credit. Uh, uh, I think it's called uh, Pre- uh, Presatirity. Is that how you pronounce it? It's a news site uh, using. It's, it's a bit, sort of like a, I don't know if it's an anti-Trump site, but it's all fact. It's a fact-based site here, and. Um, and I just I, I feel like that in the wake of what we talked about with Facebook and Facebook doing last week we talked about Facebook sort of doing their version of this. Uh, I like the idea of the rise of a fact first sort of generation of news. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can't sort of have this fake news. We can't have this. You know, uh, the, if your brand is facts, yeah, you can't really be called fake news. Uh, 
I mean, uh, Kellyanne Conway over the weekend uh, coined the term alternative facts, right. which is insane. But I don't know. This is cool, right? I mean, yeah, I think it's great because um, it's about accountability and it's about streamlining all the information into one centralized place so that people can access them very quickly and easily in, in, in a very easy way. So I like the fact that um, this site is dedicated to fact checking Trump his um, campaign all the way up into being president-elect and yep. now his presidency. And so the fact that you can go there and type in, you know, you type in a keyword of a particular issue and then you'll be able to see his tweets or see, you know, um, some of, some of his, his, his live speeches or whatever and be able to, and then see the articles that are connected to those and be able to really do a deep dive on stuff. And really, I think it's a great uh, uh, portal for people to kind of just like have that, uh, access to it just in case like hey two years from now we forget something he said in 2016 leading up to his presidency and now we uh, no, we can we can p- go back and the people have this information to be able to like nah buddy you said this or you did this like I love the fact that um, these Seattle guys these Seattle de- developers thought of that because I think um, our reliance on traditional news media sometimes does get skewed and even with the whole fake news I think to have a place that has you know great information is, is, is dope for all of us yeah I, I agree I hope there's, there's definitely more of these sites and I, I, I want them the proliferation <laughs> of these sites because I'm wondering as, as traditional media I don't say it's dying but you know traditional media is in trouble um, and so if we can get the rise of a, of a new generation who relies on this place and we can and we can base it in fact yep and we can sort of build a coalition of folks who 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 listen and um, value facts yep. as opposed to hyperbole. Exactly. Then we that we're we're in good shape right off to a good start. Um, Hazley, who's kind of a pop star, who who I think is okay. She is she American? I can't know if she's American or English, but like uh, uh, sounds Ashley Finger Pain. That sounds that Ferangie Pain. That sounds English to me. Anyway, uh, she goes by Hazley and uh, Halsey. And she did something dope on during the Women's March. She had a statement about Planned Parenthood and basically said, whoever retweets this, I'm donating a dollar to every person who retweets this. And now she's donating, donating over $100,000 to Planned Parenthood. I think that's amazing. I think that's a great form of put your money where your mouth is, activism, using uh, technology, using social media. I think, I think it's a great thing. It's also a way to share and get a message out. I think, I think it's really smart. Yeah, absolutely. I think she hit all the touch points. You know, she raised money for an organization that, you know, she actually used at one time. Um, and I think it brought awareness. It brought community. Um, and I think I love to see other uh, entertainers slash activists utilize platform, social media platforms in this way. Because I think this is this is a good way to, you know, stand for something. And like you said, put your money where your mouth is. Not just, you know, a random tweet here or there or a random appearance. But you're actually going to put up your own bread to... to put a flag in the soil of what you believe in. So I, I applaud her for that. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on. I want to, I want to get to the Snapchat <clears throat> story because it's, you know, Snapchat is about to, I think they're about to go public, right? Is that their deal? They're about to go public and they are, uh, really sort of making all these moves to position themselves as a media company. We talk about all, all the time about like these, uh, digital companies, are they media? Are they not? Blah, blah, blah. Snapchat is making no bones about it. They're, they are going to be a media company mm-hmm. and not such a technology company so much so that they've, they, they're really now putting their money where their mouth is in terms of ads and going in ad heavy and doing this, um, you know, they're selling ads like like Nielsen style, like in other words, telling advertisers, uh, you pay for this money, I can guarantee you X amount of eyeballs. And not uh, just that, not X amount of eyeballs, but very specific very specific demographics, yeah. certain age groupings, certain micro targeting. Exactly. And I think that's where the money is because a, a, a 
a company wants to be able to target a specific group. And so to be able to have the information um, that is provided by the platforms where, the, where we'll align to that targeting, I think is going to make them really, 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 really strong. So It's smart. I think it has a lot to do with that. Uh, I think the dude who used to run Sony Television or one of the guys who's kind of a not a popular guy in the in the, in the industry is now running Snapchat, and much to like everyone in Hollywood's eye roll. Right. But for him, he's like, ha ha, I'm, I'm coming over here to do this. And he's sort of implementing a lot of TV stuff in the tech world. Yeah. And uh, right, and just in time for him to go public, it seems to be working. So I don't know. And I think, you know, the thing with uh, app, app uh, the thing with apps and just how, you know, apps gather our information is much more, um, some more specificity than you know a, a Nielsen box in a in a home in America that's monitoring what television shows you watch. Like this is getting all your information because just just to sign up for the app you got to put in so much information and not just that it's monitoring all the things you search for. And so to be able to have all that information in one place and then be able to funnel that and sell that and use that, I think it it leverages them to be much much stronger than a, a traditional um, news media. Um, company because they have more information of, of the people that are participating on the platform. Yeah, so. I agree. I think it's fantastic. Uh, There's a story about Star- Starbucks and Microsoft and a few others in the Seattle area raising like almost uh, uh, full, almost $5 million, $4.5 million in a month to help homeless family. It's, a, uh, it's an initiative called No Child Sleep Outside, Sleeps Outside. I think it's Fantastic! I think it's a great cause. I think it's all wonderful. I mean, no, I mean, you know, uh, I, the thing I want to ask you about and talk about is um, this form of philanthropy is fan- is great. But is this? I mean, on one hand, it's like this is kind of great in this administration where the government will no longer start to do some of these things. Some of these companies, and us as individuals, may have to pitch in and, and do some of these other like social and 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 and, uh, and philanthropic and do other things through philanthropy. The question I have is, I think Republicans or, or, or the Trump administration may say, see, that's exactly right. The private sector should take care of this stuff. So, I mean, does it hurt when stuff like this is very successful? I mean, it's great, but it's also kind of like it, it, it makes the rights case of government, less government, more private sector. I mean, what, how, do you, how, do you, how do you feel on this? I don't think so. I think we all have a responsibility to rid our society of all the ills mm-hmm. from an individual perspective all the way to a company organizational perspective yep. and governmental perspective. So sure. I don't think that it deludes that at all. I, I think if a company wants to put their fingerlings into a social issue and put their money where their mouth is, I think that's great for the company. The, yeah. gover- the government still has a responsibility to aid aid and process you know people's struggles and so i think i think everyone should play their part you know at the highest at the highest level they can i agree so. i mean I, I agree with that fundamentally too and i think that this is a um i mean this doesn't mean there's no such thing as a what sort of these, these things are mutually exclusive it's not now that you know people want to help therefore the government doesn't have to do anything right um i want to talk about our friends over at blue apron oh man i didn't get a chance to try it we didn't get a chance to get our blue apron meal but i can say uh i've had them before we've i've done it before blue apron is a service where um instead of you know going out spending a lot of money on expensive meals you can actually have wonderful meals uh delivered to you that you can cook yourself that you and your and your significant other or you by yourself can make for uh really about ten dollars a day um they they use use fresh ingredients um they they use uh, sustainably sourced seafood and meats and beef and chicken so it's not just you're getting a box of frozen junk the food that you're getting is actually uh sort of high quality great food you get it it comes fresh right to your door it comes with all these wonderful recipe cards um 
the, 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 the everything is portioned out. Uh, I've done this before. The 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 uh, all my herbs are fresh herbs. Uh, and, you know the the meat is there. It's actually great. And then they got these 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 sort of sh- uh, chefed up Food Network style meats. That I mean, uh, f- uh, dinners I would never do like spicy shrimp and Korean cakes with cabbage and and and, and, and furl cake, pork chops, garlic piccata, scallion rice and spinach, mushroom and chipotle petri- pepper enchiladas with lime sour cream. I ain't never made no lime sour cream in my life, but it, it, I'm sure that's fantastic. That sounds delicious. Mushroom and chipotle pepper enchiladas. That's your vegan option there. So I mean, oh, not vegan, but it's your vegetarian option. So uh, you know, Blue Apron is doing a lot, and um, you should you should check them out. Uh, you, you, you can go and check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals for free with, uh, with, with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash geek. That's blueapron.com slash geek. Uh, you love how it feels, how it tastes. Create incredible home-cooked meals at Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash geek. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. Uh, next week, we're going to try this Blue Apron, and we're going to have a review on it. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, Jeff and Marissa remind me to get my Blue Apron stuff. Um, all right, moving on. So uh, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl has been decided over the weekend. Uh, two of your favorite teams, actually, okay. I, actually, I, I, I mean, like, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm torn on the Super Bowl because I really like Atlanta and I really like what what they're doing as a story. I like Arthur Blank as an owner. I like the city. I think it's fair. I'm happy for the city. I'm happy for you know Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and all that stuff. I will say, as a non Patriot fan. I, I'm not thrilled, but I am. I think I'm. Anti, I think I'm more anti Goodell than I am anti Patriot. So I do want to see Tom Brady stick it to Goodell because I, really, I think Goodell is the worst. But I don't know, do you have any opinions on this stuff? I mean, I, I do. I mean, I'm I'm definitely not a New England fan in any no. you know way, shape, or form. Um, it's good to see Atlanta back. I mean, I'm a Raiders fan, so no. like I don't I'm, think I knew this about you. You're a Raiders fan. Raiders fan, bro. I mean, generationally a Raiders fan. Oh, you're from Oakland. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. All right. And so, I mean, <laughs> our, cra- our crash and burn this season still stinks, but right. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, got, uh, you'll be all right. You'll be fine in Vegas. Hey, man, you're a 49ers fan. You I hush. Am. You hush. I got nothing to all say. Right, thank you. <laughs> I have no room to talk. Take my two wins and go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but but more importantly, the uh, Super Bowl is here, and every year we kind of talk about the the ads and the and the frequency of these ads and when how they are the proliferation of, of them spread out beyond television and into social and into and what this means for these things. And now you know Adweek has this ad tracker, and it got to the point now. We're almost in this countdown. What you're seeing now is proliferation of not just the ads themselves, but so many teasers to the ads. You saw mm-hmm. them in, in, in the championship games, yeah. like all these like teaser campaigns for the ads, like leading up to, you know, uh, it's almost like we're starting to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, it's like a trailer to the commercial, which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a new way of ramping this up. Right? I mean, for the Super Bowl, commercials just aren't commercials. It's a form of entertainment. So it's yeah. almost like watching a, a micro short film. And, you know, it, I mean, obviously a lot of them are very comedic. And, yeah, they, I mean, they have a lot of sophistication. Sometimes you might see new, uh, just new cinema, um, cinematography and new, you know, CG, CG, CGI type of yep. stuff. Um, so I think that is kind of cool. And just in terms of just how they're making the, the commercial 
commercialization aspect of the Super Bowl, an event, you know, and I think packaging that and branding that as such, I think is cool because people are interested in how things are made, what agency made it, you know, by what the brand story is, how it connects. Like, like we live in that type of world where you kind of have, you're kind of more tribal with the, the brands that you associate with. So to be able to have more content, ancillary content to provide, provide um, whatever your interests are, I think is good. Um, I, I, I agree 100% what you're saying. I just, I feel like over the last couple of years, I feel like the buzzworthiness and the quality of Super Bowl ads have gone down. I don't know if my expectations are higher. I don't know if I'm just kind of like, you know, shoulder shruggy. I feel like I've been sort of disappointed at the ads, especially the last year, especially last year. saturation, man. I, mean, I don't think there's any real takeaways. I mean, uh, you know, uh, monkey, robot, baby, or whatever it was. Baby pair. What's 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 that Mountain Dew yeah, one? I mean that that that. Uh, I mean you know there, there's some that are like weird, but nothing. I can't find any real takeaways. So I'm really hoping for something, you know, comedic or spectacular or, or something to grab my grab my attention. The teaser trailers so far, I'm snoozing. So far, I mean, but even to that point, I think that maybe there's a, like a carpet pull with that because a lot of the commercials we already see before the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, you can watch them on YouTube. So it's yeah. not the surprise factor is kind of eliminated, and I mean. To what I just said, like I think it's just the saturation of everything. Like so yeah. much content, it's just so much brand, brand everywhere. Yeah. It's on our Instagram, our Facebook, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's like who cares? Like, it's hard to make an event when every everything is in your face all right. the time. I'm much more thrilled about the Apple commercial with the dude dancing on the, uh, around than I am about like that. To me, is one of the best ads around. So yeah, you know, it's hard to say like what they're gonna do in Super Bowl to top that, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Star power is always a thing, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, last but not least, uh, Star Wars Eight has a title the last jedi we can only assume that is referring to luke skywalker who was in the final scene of episode seven uh i'm still very 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 excited what do you think i mean i I love i love the fact that you know this title could mean it could be it could have a singular meaning Mm -hmm. like as you just alluded to like one person or could have a plural meaning like the last jedi could be a group of jedis you know or could be a a a whole faction that we don't know about yet so that's right I, that's my take on it. That, that is good. It also yeah. sort of has this foreshadowing. If if we go along the same, you know, uh, you know, Force Awakens was very much like a New Hope, and felt felt like this almost identical plot beats and everything else uh, in setting up the story. And so we know uh, Episode uh, Five, Empire Strikes Back, was darker, and everyone loses, and everything bad happens. I wonder if this is setting that up. For a very similar thing, I mean, yeah. which could mean, I mean, my prediction is, is Luke going to die? The last Jedi, you know, are we, are we heading towards a dark, dark, dark sort of, uh, but do Jet? I mean, do true Jedis die though? I don't know. They I mean, don't. I mean, I, don't, I mean, they're still part of the force. O- o- Obi-Wan. And, he's still and, here. And, and Anakin and, and, and uh, Yoda are floating around. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder if Han Solo's going to turn up like, yo. Right. So I don't know. He's not a Jedi, but yeah. Um, also what you wonder what they're going to do with Leia. You right, know, uh, uh, that's an interesting. I know question. that they've, they've, she shot everything, pretty much all of her stuff for episode eight. So I have to really talk about episode nine and what her how they're going to transition. She's her supposed out, to yeah. play a big role in episode nine, yeah. and now you know. So we'll see how that exactly. Goes. Uh, all right, that's all we got for this. We're going to get out of here. Kind of a short show today. Uh, I don't know anything else before we go. Not at all. All right, uh, where can the people find you? They can sir? find me on Instagram and Twitter at Akili Shine, A K I L I S H I N E. Where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Well, Instagram, Twitter at Joe K Braswell, Snapchat at JK Braz. Uh, Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, 
we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Exactly. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.